Well, hey there, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I'm the online campus pastor here at OAG. I am excited for today's podcast because this is from our series entitled Before You Knew Me. This will be stories and testimonies shared from folks just like you and our own church family. So sit back and relax and be inspired by what God has done and is still doing in the lives of His children. I know some of you that are here today and maybe watching online, um, it was several months ago, but Katie and I were um, asked by Miss Bobby to share our testimonies in Joy Fellowship. And I just want to encourage you, if you've already heard our story, um, we're going to share different parts and pieces tonight that we were not able to share there because of time constraints. Um, so if you heard our story before, still stick around. It's worth staying. And uh, I just pray that it blesses you in some way, shape, or form. But as we start tonight, I just want to make sure that that you all know that this is God's story. This is what God has done through us. Um, We are all broken vessels. Um, We are not perfect people, but I don't mind to brag on God. So no, tonight I'm not bragging on myself. Katie's not bragging on herself. Um, This is all what God has done for his glory, and I'm so thankful for it. Um, But I'm gonna start out with kind of my story. Um, My story actually begins before I was even born, if you can believe that. Um, I hope by sharing this portion that you'll see that that God directs our steps even before we we step foot on the earth. He's already ordained it. He has already got a plan for your life. Um, My mom attended church faithfully um, before I was born. My dad, he is a believer, always been a believer. He was born in a, in a Bible-believing house, um, but his faith is not one that he is very, um, uh, he doesn't voice it a whole lot. He is more of a reserved and a quiet individual. Um, but my mom, she made church attendance very uh, impactful for me. It, it was not, it was a non-negotiable. Um, but, uh, but my dad was a hardworking man, um, but my family on the Anderson side of the family, they owned a junkyard, and when I say a junkyard, I mean a junkyard. We were poor, okay, and I'm going to show you pictures of how poor in just a minute because it seems like today people toter out that phrase, oh, I grew up poor, I grew up poor, but I'm telling you, we were poor, okay? Um, we could not go to town and just buy a piece of equipment. If we didn't have it, we didn't have the money to make it, we didn't have the money to buy it, so guess what? We had the tools to make one, so we made one. It may not be pretty, but we would certainly make one. Uh, so we recycled all kinds of things. We recycled cars, scrap iron from various companies, um, old metal buildings. If it had metal in it, my family probably recycled it. And the Anderson family was renowned in Lake County as being one of the most resourceful families in the county. Uh, we made and built things out of what we had laying around because we couldn't afford it. And I actually have a picture of a boom truck that we made. If you can put that up, Brian. That is a boom truck. Um, it's not pretty, but it did the job. And you can barely see me, but um, that is me sitting in the driver's seat. And I know it's difficult to see, but if you look down, um, you might be able to tell that boom truck, that truck has no floor in it. The floor is completely rusted out. So when you went to go push the brake pedal, the brake pedal went all the way. There was nothing to stop it because the floor was rusted out completely. There's another picture of it. You can actually see the entire boom. Um, and those booms, that's actually a two power poles that were sandwiched together and um, has a winch in it. And that was an old truck that came in, had a good engine in it. And so that's what we turned it into. 
and it was very resourceful, very useful. Um, but uh, I, I'm still, I'm amazed because nowadays all these equipment, it has all these safety features and caution stickers and all that. And I look back in the junker and I think, I am amazed that I have all 10 fingers and 10 toes. And I can still talk about all these things because that had no safety equipment on it whatsoever. But glory to God. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of my family background. And now Katie's going to share a little bit about her family background. So I didn't grow up in a junkyard, but I grew up, um, my dad had his own business with my family called Hamptons Auto Service, and I'm going to go kind of into that and God's faithfulness, but like Scott said, my story also starts before I was even born. My great-great-grandmother was um, saved through Azusa Street Ministries. She um, was, third. my grandmother was attending a Baptist church and kind of felt like there was something more to life and more to her Christianity walk. And she saw a write-up in the paper that the Azusa Street Tent Revival was coming to Leesburg. And so she got my great-grandmother, which was my, she was 13 at the time. And she said, let's go to this tent revival. And she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so was my great-grandmother at 13 years old, and the rest was history. They started going to a church in town, Leesburg First Assembly, and um, they became, that was their home church, and my mom started going to church there with her parents um, and was raised in that church too. So um, it's something that I do not take for granted is for the women in, our, in my family that are Bible-believing women that broke chains off, I believe, in our family from getting saved when they did. I feel like there were so many um, bondages of mental illness and alcoholic and all these nasty, sinful things in my family that were broken off of my um, family when, I believe, when they got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to go into... So... Back to the junkyard, uh, we had a longtime family friend. Um, many of you probably know him if you have been in this area at any point in length and time. Um, his name was Pastor Hubert Bevel. If you knew, did you know Pastor Hubert Bevel, anyone in here? I know Pastor knew him. Um, he was a good family friend of ours. We grafted him into our family. He was not technically one of ours, but we considered him one of ours. He was actually one of our truck drivers at the scrapyard. And um, we actually became good friends with him. And he planted a church in Leesburg called 50. 15th Street Church of God. And it was a lot like Oxford Assembly in that people that um, did not go to that church considered that to be their home church. Even if they didn't go, that was their home church. It was revered as a community church. And my family, much of my family on my mom's side and my dad's side went to church there. And that was our home church. And um, that's kind of where my story picks up. So after a few years of pastoring the church, uh, Pastor Hubert Bevel felt called to Planted another church in Lady Lake, Lady Lake Church of God. Um, he planted that church, and some of my family, the Andersons, left. They went to the they went to Lady Lake Assembly or Lady Lake Church of God. And the Anderson side, though they the Connerly side rather, stayed at 15th Street Church of God. And my mom and her side stayed at stayed there. And now fast forward, a few pastors had gone through, and a new pastor came in. His name was Pastor Brewer, and he was an old time Pentecostal preacher. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, he he liked to. Speak 
spit and shout. That was his style, okay? Um, but he came in, and he was the one that liked to get a little bit excited. Um, but uh, now you know where I get it from. I get it honestly. Uh, I will tell you that. Um, but Pastor Brew was there for a few years, and he decided that it was time to retire. And the church began searching for a new pastor. And lo and behold, if God was not already speaking to a young evangelist, as he drove through that city one day, um, God spoke to him and said, you're gonna pastor a church right in this city one day. And it's not something he had been praying about, but it's something that God clearly spoke to him. And he thought, well, Lord, you make a way. And his name was Pastor Dennis Langford. And he went on to lead a, lead a revival in that city, but God sure enough fulfilled what he said that he was gonna do. So my dad moved to Leesburg in 1970 from North Carolina. My grandfather was um, asked, worked for Firestone and was asked to um, open up a store in Leesburg. So he pulled his whole family, my dad and his three sisters and my grandmother, and they moved to Leesburg. And they attended 15th Street Church of God in Leesburg. And they were there for about 11 years. And my dad remembers growing up with his mom, going to church and sitting in church together and sitting on the same pew in Sunday school classes. And um, my dad's mother, my grandmother, was actually prayer partners with Scott's grandmother. Um, it was just kind of a full circle moment. Um, so my, because of there was some transition going on during that time, and my dad's home church was going through some transition, so um, his parents decided to go to Leesburg First Assembly, because after my dad met my mom, he wanted to follow her wherever. So they decided to go to Leesburg First Assembly, and um, there my, my grandparents followed. Uh, my parents got married and attended Leesburg First Assembly, and um, both of our families did at this point, and I grew up you know, both sides were in the same church, and aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody was going to the same church, and I think that that's kind of rare to find nowadays, um, and it was something that I thought was normal until I got older, and I was like, what do you mean your grandparents don't go to church with you? Um, I just thought that was what every, everybody did, um, but my parents just served in everything from youth, children, my mom sang on the choir and sang on praise team. My dad helped scrub toilets. He was on board. <laughs> he was, he did everything. Um, they also, during this time, they met Dorothy and Jackie Moat, which are, um, they attend here at Oxford and are big influential part people in my life and in my family's life. Um, so they kind of felt like Life Church, well, Life Church now was just recently changed to Life Church. But Life Church, um, Leesburg First Assembly was kind of the starting point of my parents and their marriage and their ministry. But during this time when I was at 15th Street, um, my parents have been trying to have a child for years. Um, and if any of you have struggled with that, you know that sometimes it seems like, Lord, you see everyone else 
having children and it's like, Lord, why can't we have a child? It was one of those moments for my parents. They were struggling, they were struggling. Um, a lot of prayer went up and it just, they went to many specialists. They spent a lot of money um, that they, uh, that they, it was hard for them to spend that kind of money, but they spent it because they wanted a child so bad. And my mom actually got pregnant one time. They were excited about it. Uh, things were looking up until one day, uh, as some women have experienced that things just felt off and went to the doctor and come to find out that it was an etopic pregnancy. And so they had to go in and do emergency surgery that day and remove it. And so it seemed like their dream was being pulled out and it was gone and it was dead. And to tell you how traumatic this was for my dad and both of them, but, but just my dad is one of those, he doesn't express a lot of emotion. Um, he kind of holds it in. He may be struggling, but he's not going to let you know it. Um, but my dad has worked for the same company for nearly 40 years, and he has never taken a sick day, never, except the day after my mom had that surgery. He took that one sick day over the past 40 years. That's the only sick day he has ever taken. Um, so things were, were dark in that period in time, and they continued to pray. And um, just like I preached about on Sunday, sometimes uncomfortable things happen even to believers. So my parents had pretty much given up on the possibility. And um, so on one Sunday morning, my mom was in church, and this is before Pastor Brewer stepped down as pastor. He finished preaching, and he called my mom up for prayer. He was a big advocate for prayer. Um, and he laid hands on her, and he prophesied over her, and he said, God wants you to know that he will give you the desires of your heart. Get ready because you are going to have another child. And it was just a few days after that that, lo and behold, if my mom was not pregnant once again, it was only a few days after that they discovered that she was pregnant. The family continued to pray and fast, and everything would go well this time. Later in the pregnancy, though, um, she started having issues again, and she almost lost the baby, but the family, my family rallied around on both sides, and um, I believe, if I've heard the story correctly, they had a schedule, and there was someone praying at every hour of the day. Someone signed up and they said, we are going to commit and God is going to see this through. If God prophesied it was going to happen, it's going to happen. And they stood on his word. And so they started rallying around. They started praying. And uh, that's one thing that I can always and always treasured on both sides of my family that um, as I look at some other people, they don't, they did not have that upbringing, but I was blessed that I had both sides of my family that, that were strong, firm, Bible believing yeah. people. And uh, they were not just believers, they, they walked the walk and they talked the talk. Um, and so long story short, uh, the Lord uh, decided that that baby was to be born, and I am here today. October 5th, 1990, I was born. Uh, I tell people, I tell people I was stubborn and a pain even before I was born. Uh, I, and my wife says, amen, glory to God. A uh, few weeks went by, and I was dedicated at 15th Street Church of God. And at that time, Pastor Brewer had already officially retired, but my family asked if he would come back since he was the one that prophesied over me. And a uh, new pastor had already come, and, um, but he's decided to come back, and he dedicated me that day. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Um, so now Katie's going to share. So my parents were married at, at um, Leesburg First Assembly, and they were getting plugged in and felt really content with where they were. 
wasn't until um, another opportunity came about that my parents felt the pulling of the Holy Spirit to help another couple plan a church there in town. My parents felt like it was God and they decided to leave. Um, it was nothing ill. It was just they just felt a huge calling on their life to help this friend start a church. Um, if my parents were here today, they would tell you that that season of their life was very emotionally and spiritually draining. Um, if anybody has ever been a part of a church plant, it is, it is hard work. Um, and it was not easy. Um, and they probably would agree with you if they were here today and they would say that they were following man and they weren't necessarily following God. And the lessons that they learned in that is sometimes God calls us to something and we think that that's what God is calling us to do, but sometimes the door closes. And my, as my parents were walking through that season, um, they just trusted God to believe that, you know, that, that the, fruits, the fruits of their harvest were going to be plentiful and that they were going to walk in this season. And um, it wasn't a couple years later, and my parents suddenly found themselves in the middle of a church split with, broke, with a broken heart and three young kids. Um, at this time, my parents felt there was nothing more important to them than to um, heal and put the spiritual health of their kids first. And I am a product of parents who decided a long time ago that, that there are spiritual needs are a part of their own. So a good children's ministry and getting them bugged in in church and Sunday school and was more of a priority than what the, them getting fed. Um, so my parents reluctantly, they went back home. They went back to Life Church Assembly. But throughout my childhood, I was forced to attend church. Whether I liked it or not, I was drugged to church. Uh, for the most part, I enjoyed attending church throughout my childhood. Um, I got saved when I was around seven years old, but many of us that are probably here today, um, you know, your Sunday school teacher leads you to the sinner's prayer, but you have no idea what you're saying. And I don't really, as I look back, I do not count that as being my salvation experience. I was just going through the motions. Um, but as I grew older, my, my attendance to church began to diminish with each passing year. And through this period, I still believed in God, but I would not say that I had a relationship with him. You know, there's a difference between, between believing in God and having a re actual relationship with him. And although I recited the sinner's prayer after my Sunday school teacher, deep down in my heart, I was not sure exactly what I was signing up for. And the prayer honestly meant absolutely nothing to me. So my parents moved back to Life Church or Leesburg First Assembly when I was three years old. Um, it was there that I attended Missionettes. Um, the real OGs of assemblies will know what that means. It's um, Boys and Girls Missionary Crusade and it's, um, it's Boys and Girls Ministries basically. So um, we, I got remember walking into a class one day and they were talking about what it means to have a friend in Jesus. And I immediately was like, I want to be a friend of Jesus. And so um, I remember asking God in my into my heart for the first time when I was seven or eight years old. And I felt the Holy Spirit immediately at seven, eight years old in a Sunday school class with about four or five other girls, and I remember that so vividly, that I went to school and I told everybody in show and tell that I asked Jesus into my heart. And so 
it wasn't until later on that day, we were getting ready to pack up to go home, and I had a friend of mine that comes up to me, and it's like, who are you talking about Jesus? And I was like, you don't know who Jesus is? And so I was able to lead her in the sinner's prayer at seven or eight years old, and I was a high you can't get off the street, let me tell you. I was obsessed with that, with being used by God, and I was just, I remember running so fast to the car after school that I got a detention slip for running in the hall, <laughs> because I was so excited to tell my mom that, Mom, I, I led somebody to Jesus today. I was so excited. Um, but it wasn't, if my parents had not gone back to Leesburg First Assembly, I don't know if I would have had that opportunity to accept Jesus so young. Um, so that's, my home church really made me into the woman I am today. In fact, um, most kids would play house or play, you know, restaurant or whatever. No, me and my brother played kids' church we led our stuffed animals to Jesus. <laughs> we jumped on the bed to Michael W. Smith, and we, we were church kids. We loved being at church, and honestly wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it wasn't until um, later in life, I was, we didn't really, was before we met, but his aunt was actually my Sunday school teacher, and we didn't know that till later, <laughs> but that's just another thing. But when I was about 13, I was invited to a kids' camp, and the theme of the kids' camp was Rise to the Call. And I remember the evangelist had um, a bunch of, like, different balloons, and he was talking about the calling that God had on your life. And each balloon had something written on it, like evangelist, pastor, teacher, just different roles in the church. And he said, if you feel like God is calling you into the ministry or what you want God to do, then I'm going to count to three and just run up and just stand by a balloon. And I remember he said, one, and my heart is pumping. And he says, two, and I feel just the presence of God like I've never felt before at 13 years old. And I remember thinking, I want to run, but I don't know what to run to. So I just ran straight to the altar. I don't even know what balloon I stood under, but I remember hearing God's voice so prominently in my life and being baptized in the Holy Spirit at 13 years old. Then we came home after camp, and I remember telling my parents, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. All I want to do is I want to be at church, and I just want to love on people, and I just want to be around people and, and lead people to Jesus. And um, that next summer, we our great revival hit our youth group. Um, we would, um, I had friends and standing on top of lunchroom tables prophesying over other kids in school and, and preaching the gospel in high school in the lunchroom. I mean, it was insane. Um, I vaguely remember a sleepover that I was invited to that um, in our youth group. And we were, it was a normal slumber party for girls. It was at the end of the summer. We were celebrating while that we had accomplished that summer and missions trips and just going over different things. And we got to talking about how we just how have a longing for our relatives and people in our lives to get saved and our friends and our family members. And before you know it, we're all like 16 at this point, 16, 17 years old. And we were in the process of talking about this and it turned into an all night prayer meeting with four, 13, four, 15, 16 year old girls. And I remember thinking, I don't think this is normal. I don't think this is what normal 13-year-olds do at a sleepover. 
So um, our youth group was just super on fire for God. And in that season, like, I just remember being so just, I just didn't want to be anywhere else but in God's presence. I just wanted to, I longed for that. Um, I had friends that longed for that. And we were just like chasing any opportunity that we had just to share it with God with people and to just bask in his presence. Um, but I just fell in love with ministry and I fell in love with um, singing. I got involved in the praise and worship band and was asked to lead praise and worship. And um, in the choir and we went on several missions trips to i went to went to austria and i've gone to um, bahamas and honduras and all these different things and i all came back with just more of a sense of this is what i'm supposed to do with my life this is something that i never thought um would come so so that pastor that I told you about that was driving by that was an evangelist, uh, lo and behold, if the Lord did not call him to become the pastor, the new pastor at 15th Street Church of God, God uh, just aligned it all up. He was our, he actually came the year that I was born, 1990. He came in as our pastor and he says, I can always remember when I came to Leesburg because I know what year you were born. And uh, he was, that was my home church pastor. Um, the name was changed from 15th Street Church of God to Abundant Life Church of God. And we quickly started growing. And the church was a good-sized church. It was a 300-seat auditorium. It was a beautiful church. It was an older building. But the problem was it was only on one acre of land. And it had a church parsonage, and it had several Sunday school classrooms, which did not leave much room for parking. And I remember Pastor Dennis standing outside of the church on the steps, and I remember him looking out on Sunday mornings, and he would see cars coming in, they would look for a parking spot, they wouldn't find one, and they would drive right out. And as a pastor, that breaks your heart because you see people coming in, they want to come in, but there's nowhere for them to park. And we actually had a uh, very, uh, it was uh, like almost like quicksand in our dry, in our parking lot. And we, there would be cars getting stuck in the parking lot. It was just a terrible experience. So the board and different ones met and they were talking about it. What are we going to do? They prayed about it for months and months and months. What are we going to do about this? And lo and behold, if a pastor did not call Pastor Dennis at, just out of the blue. And it was actually the new pastor that was the new pastor at the church where her parents were, where they had the church split. Uh, the new pastor that was there was the one that was calling my pastor. And he said, Dennis, he said, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit will not let this go. He's told me that I need to call you and I don't know what it's about. And Dennis is like, well, I don't really know either. And so they started talking about what they were going through. And he said, we're struggling because we don't have a large enough parking lot and we don't know what we're gonna do. And this guy said, well, now I think I know where God's guiding me. He said, um, the church where we're at, we have 17 acres of undeveloped land. He said, I'm driving all the way from Tavares coming to Fruitland Park to pastor these people. Half of my congregation are coming from Fruitland Park, coming to this church in Fruitland Park. And he said, it doesn't make any sense. He said, I would like to plant a church in Tavares. And he said, I think God is leading us to possibly talk about and pray about a church merger. 
He said, what do you think about that? And he said, I don't know, let me pray about it. And lo and behold, a, about a year went by and both churches agreed and the denomination agreed and both of those congregations ended up merging. So the church that her parents were basically that they left and they were almost founding members of was now part of my home church body. She was not there at the time, she had moved on, but we ended up combining churches and uh, things were going great uh, for a season, but many of you guys know that if you've ever been through a church merger or a church split, things get a little rocky really quick. And so it was a little bit tumultuous there for, for a period of time. But we ended up becoming, we went from the church with the smallest parking lot in Lake County, and we began being known as the biggest church, the smallest church in Lake County with the biggest parking lot. So we had the opposite problem of what we had before. So... So, like I said, I was, our youth group was us on fire for God. I was on fire for God. And everything kind of went to a screeching halt. Um, I remember getting up for school one morning. And um, I had been sick the week before with mono. And um, was on medications. And the things you can do for mono is really not much you can do. But um, I remember getting up for school one morning and feeling like, man, my head is killing me. I'm like, let me go take some medicine because I had a big test. I had exams. I had all these things. I was probably just stressed from studying. It's not a big deal. So I get up. The next thing I remember is being woken up in the hospital. I had had a seizure. Um, my parents were frantic at this point, not knowing what was happening. I was fine one minute and now I'm not. Um, and it sent me into a long, probably six years of testing, and I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 16. And um, they pulled my parents out of the hospital room and they said that your daughter's not gonna be able to drive her car anymore. She's not going to be able to hold down a job. She's not going to be able to be alone. She can never live alone. She can never go to college. You're gonna to have to pull her out of school because she's not going to thrive in that environment. My parents obviously were devastated and didn't feel like this just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and to be honest, I kind of felt like God had abandoned me. I felt like I had been this quote unquote, perfect Christian girl. And I didn't party, I didn't go out, I didn't do all these things that everybody else was doing and I felt like God was punishing me. And it wasn't until I got through that season of my life that I realized that that was just God pulling me closer to him. Um, like Scott said, I thought I had a relationship with God but it wasn't until the trial and the testing that I realized my relationship with God was very weak, it was very weak. Um, I began to, God just kind of showed his faithfulness in that process, and this is kind of a longer story, and if you want to know more, you can go on the Whatsoever Things podcast at Oxford Assembly's website. I think there's probably a, a link or something Pastor Daniel can help, but I go into way more detail of how God healed me, but long story short, um, my parents really just felt like I was misdiagnosed and wanted to get more answers. So we ended up going to Arnold Palmer Children's Hospital and um, in walks in a very familiar face um, of a man who changed my life. He um, basically looked at my parents and was like, your daughter's been misdiagnosed. 
um, we believe that she has hemoplegic migraines and that this it will pass with this medication. She just needs treatment and she'll be okay. So my parents just felt a weight had been lifted off their shoulders. And in this time of, it's probably two or three years were passing by and I was just wasting away to nothing. Um, I would have episodes where I would lose control of my body and I would lose, have para severe paralysis. I wouldn't be able to get up in the mornings. Um, I would have a teacher come to my house and bring me my homework and had to take exams at my dining room table. Um, when all my friends were going to prom, I was in the hospital getting treatment. Um, it was not something I saw coming and it felt like an attack on me. And I felt like my body was literally against me. And I kept thinking that this just doesn't seem right, that I'm too young to deal with this, that none of it made sense. So um, my pastor, my home church pastor, the incredible man that he was, he said, Katie, we're not going to just let you suffer alone. So he got together my own personal prayer chain and had about four or five uh, members in our church and they would pray for me around the clock all the time. And when I would have a bad day, they would come over and they would pray with me and anoint me with oil and just storm the gates of heaven for a healing. And it wasn't until um, I found this doctor and he met, was able to give me a different treatment that I was able to get my life back. And I believe that the healing not only came, came through, you know, through my body and through the Lord, but it also came through doctors. I believe that God uses doctors and uses medication to bring healing to people. So um, it wasn't until, I don't know, four or five years later, I started to feel like myself again and feel like how get a little bit of my life back. And I stand today, seizure, eight years seizure free. So um, it's something that, yes, amen. Um, so, and it was crazy because I remember being on all these different prayer chains and I remember Oxford Assembly being one of those that would write cards for me and would, um, send me prayer shawls and all these different things. And I knew that there was other churches just praying for me. And I remember Oxford just sticking out to me because I would always get cards. So after the merger of the two churches, um, I started to drift away because this was um, during my teenage years. And uh, that just tends to happen, it seems like, the teenagers. Um, I had this sense of emptiness that nothing could fill. Um, I was never the type that actually got into trouble or went, or went partying or anything like that. In fact, I was often commended on how well I conducted myself throughout my teenage years. Um, my parents were proud of me. My teachers, my, my grades were great. But how many of you know that our version of what is good is still not good enough to warrant us to get salvation. I still was not good enough. Um, so on a Sunday morning that I actually decided to go to church, I have no idea why. Um, all I can say is I guess it was God's will. I went to church. Um, and my whole life changed because one person was obedient to the voice of God. And this person's name was Reverend Marilyn Weeks. And she is still an evangelist today. Um, she was an evangelist that would lead yearly revival services at our church. I knew of her name, but I'd never met her before because of my poor church attendance. Um, but as I listened to what she spoke over me, I would have sworn that she had known me my entire life. Um, as soon as she finished preaching the message, she told us that she was going, getting ready to pull out her spiritual radar 
And of course, I perked up and I thought, what in the world is this crazy woman talking about? A spiritual radar. And she continued to explain that the Holy Spirit would often lead her to certain people to pray for, and he would give her a glimpse of what they needed spiritually. And as I watched her move from one end of the sanctuary to the other, I can still see her in my mind doing this because I'm telling you, I was absolutely terrified because I just knew that she was, she had my number and she was going to come for me eventually. It was just a matter of time. And you know, you just feel that. I mean, I mean, like I was talking about Sunday, sometimes you get that squirm in your chair in church because you feel like the, the Lord is dealing with you personally. That's what I felt like in that moment. I was one of those squirmers in church. And, uh, but she, she went around the sanctuary and I kept thinking to myself, she's coming for me. She's coming for me. As she would walk in my general direction, my heart would begin to thump harder than it ever had my entire life. But then she would turn and go the other direction and called out for someone on the opposite, opposite side of the sanctuary. And I watched as she passionately prayed for this person. And I could tell, I didn't know what she was saying, but whatever she was saying really stirred their heart because tears began to stream down their face. And I knew as a teenage boy, I wanted no part of this because I was not about to break down in the middle of this sanctuary and be a boo-hoo crybaby. Yeah. That was not about to happen. I'm a lot like my dad with that. I don't like showing emotion. Uh, and as a teenage boy, that was rough and tough. I had my my life all figured out. I knew I wanted no part of it. Um, so at this time, she, she called a few more out, and then it happened. She began walking in my direction. When she was about 15 feet away from me, she made eye contact with me, and I knew it was all over. Some of you know what I'm talking about. She walked over, and just as the Lord would have it, I have no idea why to this day, but the chair sitting right next to me was empty. The aisle was wide open, and she plopped herself right down in that chair right next to me. And uh, I just want to mention that we make things way too complicated, mm -hmm. because here's what she did. She sat down in that chair, and she took my hand. She said, young man, do you mind if I pray with you? And that's all she said. And I said, sure. And so she took my hand as she prayed for me. That's the very first time that I felt the presence of God in my life. I felt this heat come all over me from the inside that I cannot explain. And it came all the way on the outside. And she began saying things to me that I was going through in that moment. God spoke through her. And it was in that moment that I actually say that I received Christ. When I walked out of that sanctuary, I felt like a brand new spanking man. Um, the weight was lifted off of me. Um, I received Christ and I followed him passionately from that moment on. And sometimes we make things so complicated, church. But really and truly, all we've got to do is ask people, do you mind if I pray for you? We don't have to give them a, a theology lesson. All we've got to do is just say, do you mind if I pray for you? And that's all that she did. And so I was around 15 years old when that happened. And about a year later, I was called to ministry um, under divinely pure circumstances. It's not anything that I'm making up. I'm telling you this is, this is the story. Um, I was uh, a about a sophomore in high school, uh, before my calling, I had in my mind what I wanted to do. I had my entire life planned out. I had decided, as I mentioned on Sunday, that I wanted to go in the healthcare field. I wanted to be a dentist. And I actually interned with a dentist. I made crowns. I re started reading um, the x-rays. I could spot a, spot a cavity. Um, I was enjoying it. And I thought, you know, the, the six-figure salary that a dentist makes, I said, I like that. Um, you know, the, in the healthcare field, 
field. A lot of uh, healthcare professionals have to work long hours, and I thought, you know, a dentist is pretty much a nine-to-five job. That checks off. That's nice. And now look what I do. I'm a pastor. Um, but I thought I had it all figured out, and then something came to me, and I thought one day, you know, I've made all these plans, and the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, you have not asked me what I have for you. You have made all these plans and you have not prayed about it. You're just jumping out on the deep end and you've got your plans for your life. But what about me? What do I have? Have you asked me? And so for two years, I prayed for God to reveal what he had for me, the, 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 the call that he had for me. And I'm going to tell you something. As a 15, 16-year-old, that's hard to do. Pray the same prayer for two years. And I was just before giving up and I remember praying and I said, God, it seems like you don't care, care about me and I'm just before throwing in the towel because it, you're not answering me. And it was the very next day I was watching TV. It was about six, seven o'clock in the evening. It was on a Sunday evening and I was watching America's Funniest Home Videos I'm in my parents' living room. And my mom was applying for a job as a daycare worker, and uh, she needed a CPR certificate. She had already had it, and she was looking all in the house for it, and because she needed that in order to get the job. And so she was going through this bin, and she pulled out this bin that had all of my report cards and progress reports and all my crafts from when I was in kindergarten. All moms have that for every single child they have. They got a bin for every single child. She pulled that out and she's pulling all these papers out and they're flying all over looking frantically for the CPR certificate. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching TV and I see this yellow piece of paper come and flip down on the carpet. And right when I saw that, I heard a voice. And the voice said, go and see what that yellow piece of paper has to say on it. And I had pizza that night, and I thought, well, maybe I just ate too much pizza tonight. I need to go to bed. It's been a long day. And a few more minutes went by, and I heard the voice again, go and see what that yellow piece of paper has on it. And I thought, no, I'm not doing it. My mom's getting ready to put all the pieces of paper back in the bin. And this time, it was the third time, and said, this is the last time I'm telling you, go see what that yellow piece of paper has on it. And so I reached over, I thought, okay, try me. So I reached over and I grabbed it, and it was upside down. I didn't know what was on it, but I flipped it over. And during this time when I'd been praying, I said, Lord, you know how hard-headed I am. Make it completely clear and obvious what you want me to do. And so on this piece of paper, and I have it with me tonight, it's in my office, um, it says, Scott, a traveler, and it has a scripture of Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God made it about as plain as he could. He put my name on it, and he told me specifically what he wanted me to do. And it was in that moment that I thought, okay. And now I am a very introverted person. I'm not a talkative person. Um, so I kept that to myself. I did not tell anyone what God had shown me because I thought if I'm going to be a coward and back out of this thing, I want to be able to back out and no one know that I backed out. So I did not tell anyone. So just as the Lord would have it, that very next Sunday, that evangelist that led me to Christ was coming to church to start a revival. And I knew she was going to be there. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask her. I'm going to see if God will, will, will confirm this. She got done preaching, and uh, this time she didn't get out her spiritual radar. She just called us all forward. 
And so if we want a prayer. And I, I hesitated, but finally I went forward and I was on the right-hand side and um, I was over there. And she went down the line, started on the left, and made her way all the way to the right. And uh, long story short, she got to me. She said, Scott, what do you need prayer for? And I said, I need to know what God's will is for my life. And she said, okay. So uh, she said, give me your hands. And so I gave her my hands, and she started to pray for me. And I never will forget uh, what she said. She said, Scott, God knows that you don't have everything that you need to do what he's calling you to do right now. But in time, he's going to connect you with the people and give you the resources that you need to be able to get to where he wants you to go. And know this, and this is the part that stuck out to me, you are called to ministry. She did not know what God had already shown me. I did not told anyone, but God confirmed it through her. And there were other confirmations along the way that God confirmed. So, so right after high school, I felt like God was calling me to um, join Master's Commission. Master's Commission is an intense Bible school and discipleship program through the Assemblies of God. Um, so I attended Master's Commission and in St. Pete. And um, during my stay at Master's Commission, they said that we weren't supposed to date for a year and that we were supposed to um, just really focus on God and ministry and what in fulfilling the purpose that God has for our lives. So um, there were some church hurt things going on within the church and they had to close the program down unexpectedly. I came home hurt, broken, Again, this was not a part of the plan. This is not what I thought God was directing me to do. So um, I ended up getting into a relationship. Was I was disobedient with God, and I was got into a relationship that was not healthy for me. And I began to feel the conviction of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that said, you're not supposed to be in this relationship. You're supposed to commit to me for a year. And I remember feeling awful and just running from God and running from ministry and anything to do with it because I was so hurt. So I said, you know, I'm done running. I'm done with the uncomfortableness and I'm just going to submit to you. So I rededicated my covenant with God that I made to not to date for a year. And um, it was a year and three months. And my aunt Cecilia Strickland came to me and said, um, hey, I had this guy I want you to meet. And I said, no. <laughs> No, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to date right now. I'm focusing on God. And she says, okay, but when you're ready, let me know. And I was like, no. So she came to me again. And I was like, Katie, I really have this guy. I want you to meet. He's a new executive pastor at our church. So I said, okay. At this point, the year and a couple months had been up. So I said, okay, well, if it's God thing, then it'll work out. Meanwhile, I go to church, my home church, and my Sunday school teacher walks up to me and says, I have this guy I want you to meet. And I'm like, why is everybody hooking me up with guys? Like, what is this? Do I have, like, loser written on my forehead? Like, what is this? So um, anyway, so it turned out to be that this woman at my home church, my old Sunday school teacher, was Scott's aunt. was trying to fix me up with Scott. And Aunt Cecilia was here trying to set me up with him, too. <laughs> so it wasn't a bunch of different guys. It was the same guy. Um... We ended up connecting, Scott ended up connecting with me on social media, and we went on a blind date, and we were there from, how long was that? 
I believe it was about six o'clock until they closed. And yep. let me tell you something. Uh, I just said I'm an introvert. Let me tell you, a blind date, that would have made me throw up. Okay, before that is not like either one of our personalities. I had never met her, um, and, and looking back on it, I, I really can't believe that we actually no, did it. Absolutely um, not. But we, no. it was like we had always known each other. Yeah. And then we're sitting here, and we're talking about, and hopefully you can see some of these stories. But as we're sharing this, there were connections along the way how our family knew each other, but we did not know each other. And that's why I've tried to connect this so you can see the dots, and it may be a little bit gray, but. I went to the same church that she went to. But then I left. But then she left. <laughs> but then I was behind her. And that was now my home church. And then long story short, we ended up, when I found out where she lived, she lived two minutes. If you put it in the GPS, I'm not kidding. You put it in the GPS, she, she lived two minutes away from where I grew up, where I was raised. We went to the same schools together. We knew the same people. We have, I think it's over, uh, on Facebook, if you look, we have like over 300 mutual friends. Um, we were born and raised in the same area. Our grandmothers knew each other. They were prayer partners. But all this time, all I can tell you is it was not God's timing. Yeah. And looking back on it, I'm very thankful that I did not get in a relationship with Katie because um, I had not been to Southeastern yet. And knowing me, I probably would have threw away Southeastern. I would have got married and that would have been the end of it. But just at God's perfect timing, I had just finished Southeastern, got a job here, and then God put us together. And so I just want to encourage you here, whether you're watching online too, that if you're going through a season and it seems like it, just everything is just not falling into place, can I just recommend where you just hold on yeah. and just wait on God's perfect timing because he will bring everything together in his perfect timing. We were engaged three world. months later. Yes, we don't tell that everyone. <laughs> and married a year later. Yes. Yes, um, but uh, I also, I was a youth pastor uh, before, before I went to Southeastern, and um, that was a great time, and God grew my faith. Uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and that, was a, that was a neat experience. I wish I had time to go into that, but uh, I don't. Um, did an internship here at OAG, as you guys know, and uh, that ended up turning into a job, and then Katie and I met each other. But uh, I just want to close by saying this. Um, if you ever receive an email from me, you'll notice that my signature is there is hope uh, followed by my name and I am living proof that there is always hope as far as the doctors were concerned my parents should have stopped trying to have children but God had a different plan I am still young but it has not been smooth sailing throughout my journey um, if I had to walk through things that 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 I wish that I could have avoided but God has always been faithful through it all and he will always be faithful to you I think oftentimes we think that once we discover what God's calling is for our lives then everything will be smooth sailing but I'm gonna tell you it, it oftentimes is the opposite uh, the fact that we face obstacles should be an indication that we are pushing back the darkness anyone can swim downstream but as my dad always says it takes a strong fish with a backbone to swim up stream yeah. so I just want to encourage you I pray that our story has blessed you um, I wish I could share a little bit more. We had a little bit more we wanted to share. We ran out of time. Um, but uh, I hope we're available. We would love to answer any yeah. questions that you guys have. But uh, we just, we're just vessels of God's goodness. And, uh, and we're thankful we're to be thankful. here. Yes, we're thankful to be here Absolutely. at OAG. Absolutely. We're excited we'll about turn what God's going to do. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. 
For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.